Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 18th March 2022. This is Ian Haydock. This time, clinical setbacks in melanoma and prostate cancer, Chinese pharma firms face US listing pressures, Azai hands Adjuhelm to Biogen, and Scripp asks what 2022 holds for digital and telehealth. One of the leading contenders to improve on interleukin-2-based therapy in oncology is down and possibly out, as Nectar Therapeutics and Bristol-Myers Squibb announced the failure of the Phase 3 Pivot IO001 trial of Nectar's Bempegaldesleukin, or Bempeg, and BMS's PD-1 inhibitor Opidivo in first-line melanoma. But competing IL-2 drugs in development may have a better shot, as Bempeg itself may yet have potential efficacy in other cancers, Alaric Diamond writes. Nectar and BMS said on 14th March that the PIVOT study failed to meet its primary endpoints of improving progression-free survival and overall response rate, while also failing to show statistical significance on the third primary endpoints of overall survival, in the first interim analysis for the combination compared with Opidivo alone in patients with previously untreated, unresectable or metastatic melanoma. The companies did not release detailed data. In response, the companies chose to unblind the study and perform no further OS analyses while also unblinding and discontinuing enrolment in the Phase 3 PIVOT-12 trial, which is comparing Bempeg and Opidivo against Opidivo alone in adjuvant treatments of melanoma. It's a devastating blow to the partnership, which started in February 2018, a deal that included a $1.85 billion upfront payment and milestones worth up to $1.78 billion. The firms are still hopeful about Bempeg's potential in other cancers, though, with data coming soon in renal cell carcinoma and bladder cancer. In addition to those programmes, Bempeg, combined with Merck & Co.'s PD-1 inhibitor Keytruda, is in phase 3 for head and neck cancer and phase 2 for non-small cell lung cancer. Beyond that, Nectar has a handful of other candidates including NKTR255, an IL-15 candidate in phase 1-2 for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and multiple myeloma, combined with Roche's CD20 targeting monoclonal antibody Rituxan and Johnson & Johnson's CD38 targeting antibody Darzelex respectively. Nectar CEO Howard Robbins said Nectar ended 2021 with $800 million in cash and was hoping to create a cash runway sufficient to last through at least 2024 using the existing balance. Today's results will obviously mean that we have to make changes to our business operations and the structure of Nectar, Robbins said. These changes will be substantial and will be difficult to undertake. In another clinical setback, Merck Co. and AstraZeneca are to halt a phase 3 study of cancer blockbusters Keytruda and Limpasa as a third-line treatment for metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer after the combination failed to show benefits to patients. The result is a rare setback for Keytruda and Limpasa, which have grown steadily to lead their respective PD-1, PD-L1 and PARP inhibitor classes thanks to a string of new approvals. Andrew McConaughey writes that the decision to discontinue the Keylink 010 study follows the recommendation of an independent data monitoring committee, which, after a planned interim analysis, 
found that Merck's Keytruda and AstraZeneca's Limpasa together did not have a significant overall survival benefit compared to the control arm which was using standard therapies J&J's Zytiga or Pfizer and Astellas's Extandi. That is a disappointing result given that Limpasa had recently shown strong efficacy as a first-line combination with Zytiga plus prednisone in the Propel study, regardless of homologous recombination repair gene mutation status. The open-label KeyLink 010 trial took the same all-comers approach as Propel and also did not screen for PD-L1 status in the hope of helping a broad range of patients. However, that gambit failed based on the OS data, as well as the trial's other dual primary endpoint, radiographic progression-free survival, which also did not show any improvement compared with the control arm in an earlier interim analysis. Merck is not alone among the PD-1, PD-L1 immunotherapy competitors struggling to make progress in prostate cancer, as none in the class have gained approval in this setting and have generally shown low response rates in trials. On 10th of March, the US Securities and Exchange Commission issued a ruling giving US-listed Chinese companies, including pharma firms Beijing, Hutchmed and Xilab, three years to switch to accounting firms that can be investigated by Washington regulators, or two years if a pending amendment to the rule is adopted. Brian Yang writes that the move forms part of a requirement following the passing of a 2020 US law, the Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act, requiring all Chinese companies on stock exchanges in the country to be subject to the same rigorous accounting and audit scrutiny rules required for US firms. Upon the announcement, the three drug companies all saw sharp share price falls. Other US-listed Chinese biotechs, while not on the list this time, will face the same requirements and companies are already readying their responses. IMAB Biopharma said it would comply by engaging an accounting firm subject to inspection by the US Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, or PCAOB, to prepare its audit reports starting from fiscal year 2022. The larger picture around the moves is that China and the US are locking horns over the inspections amid the ongoing wider friction in their bilateral trade relationship. To date, the Chinese government has refused to allow Chinese companies to be subject to such US investigations citing the provisions of China's own securities law. Under this, without the approval of Chinese securities regulators, Chinese companies cannot disclose documents and accounting materials to overseas regulators. The transfer of data to foreign governments is further and explicitly banned by China's data security law, which came into effect in June 2021. Upon the US SEC setting a finite timeline for the potential delisting of non-compliant Chinese companies, China's securities regulator and the Ministry of Finance noted that they had engaged with the PCAOB, which is a non-profit entity established by Congress to oversee audits of public companies, but Beijing said it had solemnly rejected politicising securities oversight. However, there is little room for affected companies to manoeuvre, noted Chinese brokerage Huaitai Securities. Other than engaging an accounting firm which may satisfy the transparency requirements of the US SEC, companies could pursue a dual listing in another market such as Hong Kong. This is precisely what Shanghai-based IMAB is doing, but compared to NASDAQ, the Asian bourse has its own limitations. 
Aside from a large inflow of listing applications, which could potentially slow the process, it is smaller in size, has limited liquidity and relatively poor valuations. It appears that Azai is throwing in the towel on the troubled anti-amyloid antibody Aduhelm, giving Biogen full control of decision-making for the Alzheimer's disease therapy effective immediately. The companies will continue to share Aduhelm profits and losses globally in 2022, with Azai's development, commercialization and manufacturing costs capped at $335 million this year. But the Japanese company will no longer fund those costs beyond 2022 and from 2023 onward will collect only a single-digit percentage royalty on Aduhelm sales worldwide. Mandy Daxon writes that Azai's tiered royalty will start at 2% and could rise as high as 8% under the amended agreements if annual sales hit $1 billion. But at the current pace of Aduhelm sales, that seems unlikely to happen anytime soon. The amyloid clearing antibody generated just $1.3 million in sales in 2021 after winning accelerated approval from the US FDA in June as the first potentially disease-modifying drug for Alzheimer's and Biogen expects minimal sales this year. Prescriber scepticism about mixed pivotal trial results for Aduhelm and a preliminary decision by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to cover the therapy's cost only for patients enrolled in certain clinical trials has resulted in limited prescribing and reimbursement for the product to date. Biogen's final decision-making rights on Aduhelm have converted to sole decision-making and commercialization rights worldwide under the amended agreement with Azai. Biogen will have full financial responsibility for development, commercialization and manufacturing starting in 2023. However, the companies will continue to jointly develop and commercialize the amyloid protofibril clearing antibody lecanemab, which is currently in phase three, with Azai retaining final decision-making authority on development and regulatory submissions globally. Azai and Biogen will co-commercialize and co-promote lecanemab with Azai booking sales and Biogen reflecting its 50% share of profits and losses in its earnings statements. The only change to the company's agreement pertaining to lecanemab is that Biogen will manufacture the antibody at its Swiss facility for 10 years instead of five. Finally, in the sixth part of the Script Asks series, Eleanor Malone looks at digital and telehealth solutions which took off during COVID-19 and industry observers expect them to advance still further in the coming year. Coupling enhanced patient experience with rich opportunities to use associated data to improve product development and healthcare practice, benefits should accrue to industry, healthcare practitioners, health systems and patients alike. The need for strict social distancing had an almost overnight effect on access to healthcare facilities, massively reducing the ability of physicians and nurses to diagnose, treat and monitor patients. Digital tools came into their own and the long-awaited telehealth revolution was turbocharged. Among the 200-plus biopharma executives and experts who looked into their crystal balls to predict the hot topics of the coming year, Many flagged up digital health technology as an area of key importance in 2022. I believe 2022 will be a breakthrough year, predicted Ron Gutman, who's co-CEO of Intrivo, 
which provides a COVID-19 diagnosis and information management service to employers. As we enter another year of the pandemic, with at-home rapid tests becoming a crucial part of containing the spread of COVID-19 and telehealth becoming a standard of accessing care, I anticipate people will start to expect all aspects of healthcare to come to them rather than they reach out to seek healthcare. The article brings together views on these topics from a wide range of industry executives and experts and take a look to see these in full. That's all for this time. Thanks for listening. A reminder that these stories are just a fraction of those published in script last week and that they are also linked in the article accompanying this podcast. Log in, or if not a subscriber already, take a free trial to access all of our content and see what you're missing. Bye for now.